Well, I won't be before you long, but I did want to reintroduce Miss Jocelyn White. She is not a stranger of Marine Covenant. She's actually family, and she has come to speak to our church about IJM and the mission of IJM and what IJM is doing all over the world. And I just want to go ahead and invite up Jocelyn. And as she comes up, let's give her, you know, a great warm welcome of applause. And Jocelyn, I just want to say thank you so much for loving our ministry and loving God the way you do and wrapping your arms around Marin Covenant and walking alongside of us so that we can walk with you as we attempt to do God's work. So thank you so much. The year was 2010. I had just flown from California all the way to Washington with DC with my husband and my three-month-old son. I was invited to participate in IJM's very first advocacy summit. And though I knew pretty much nothing about law and legislation, I was committed to doing anything IJM had asked me to do to end slavery in the world. So months of reading and training calls and watching how a bill becomes a law on Schoolhouse rocks a dozen times. That moment was about to culminate this weekend. I was standing just outside Congressman Waxman's office, and I was gripping my IJM folder with my sweaty palms. Despite our all-day training, I felt uneasy and unqualified. Not only was I exhausted, but I could barely remember all the talking points I was supposed to talk about from IJM, let alone their mission statements. What in the world was I about to do? I knocked on the Congressman Waxman's office because I was so new, I didn't know that you could actually just enter into the office. And I was greeted by a young man who seemed just out of high school, and he said, I'm meeting with you. Are you alone? And I said, yes, and man, did I feel it. All I could do was sit there and read the little piece of paper that IJM had given me. I was still a bit foggy. It was 9 a.m. Eastern time, which was 6 a.m. Pacific time in my body clock. And as my sweaty palms clenched my notes, literally for every single question he asked me, I said, it's in the IJM folder. Now, this meeting lasted about five minutes, and then as soon as the door closed, I said, wow, I probably did nothing at all. Last week, Pastor Danny got to motivate us and encourage us to be the people of God to transform the world, and we were on our feet applauding and saying, amen. And this week, I was asked to prepare a message on system transformation. And I thought it must be my experience, obviously, in the field. What in the world was I going to do? Well, I think it's first to, good to first clarify that when we are talking about systems, for example, government systems, we're actually talking about people. Think about maybe a government ruler who you feel does a good job in holding his or her position, and carrying out God's design 
in Romans 13, for he is God's servant to do good. To do good. One of IJM's client, Cassie, was not only rescued, but received services and support, and now she is a survivor, advocate, and leader inviting people to fight the end of slavery. But I think we can also think about those in power that are broken, and I think perhaps maybe we can talk about that a little bit this morning. Let's start with the fall and consider the role of rulers and prophets. So what is the fall? In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve eat a piece of the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden, and sin enters into the world, including the sin of violence. Now, thankfully, we all know how it's going to end, right? God is going to bring about a new Jerusalem where there are no no tears, no crying, no pain, no sorrow, and that is all good news. But in the meantime, sin, such as the sin of violence and violence against the poor, threatens to get out of control, and it all began with the fall. According to Scripture, God's temporary solution to restrain the violence against the poor is to give those in power a measure of coercive power that they can use to protect the poor from violence and oppression. The idea of the ruler as protector is celebrated multiple times in the Bible. For example, the psalmist says words like, in Psalm 72, Endow the king with your justice, O God. Save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. Or he will take pity on the weak and the needy and save the needy from death. He will rescue them from oppression and violence, for precious is their blood in his sight. The basic purpose of rulers was to restrain violence from the weak, even pagan rulers. So in the Bible, there are examples of Jesus calling King Nebuchadnezzar or King Cyrus his servant, his shepherd, his anointed one, even though they were not Israelites and even though they were perhaps hostile towards Israelites. But if the rulers fail to do their job of protecting the poor from violence, or even worse, they were the ones inflicting pain against the violence, what then is the role of God's people? This is what I would love to explore this morning. At IJM, we take on all sorts of cases against the poor, from police brutality to violence against women, child sexual assault, and slavery. We have offices in 19 communities throughout the world where we rescue victims, restore survivors, bring criminals to justice, and to strengthen justice systems. But we encounter broken people and broken systems every single day. In fact, there are many factors that cause a broken justice system, and that's why IJM takes cases through the public justice system so we can actually identify what is broken and work with the local leaders in attaining what they hope would be wholeness. At IJM, we found that if you were to look at things like lack of resources or accountability and even corruption, that there are about 
For example, in corruption, there are about 15% of law enforcement who are indeed corrupt, and about 15% who are not corrupt. And everyone in the middle is just trying to see which side will win. For example, in the Philippines, our newest type of casework is called the Online Sexual Exploitation of Children. You'll hear the acronym OSEC, or you might hear the term Cybersex Trafficking of Children. Cybersex trafficking is the abuse that is both directed and viewed live over the internet. And this, and our 20 years of service, is one of the most heinous crimes that we address. In the Philippines, English is spoken and the internet is available to everyone, including the poor, which means children in the Philippines are extremely vulnerable to this type of crime. Now, when we first started to address this crime, we went to the Philippine National Police and we discovered they do have a cybercrimes unit. They have one officer in that unit that is responsible to address all cybercrimes. So that could be money laundering, identity theft, and the online exploitation of children. Meanwhile, the police receive 1,000 tips a month of this type of crime. So there is no doubt that the system that was supposed to be in place to protect the children from violence was actually broken. Now, the Filipino people, they wanted to address this crime, but they lacked resources, not desire. When facing such brokenness, what role, then, does God's people have to play? The Bible and God's solution was to raise up rulers who would rule in a way which honored God. But what happens when a ruler does not honor God. For instance, what if Joseph, the ruler of Egypt who was protecting the Israelites, dies, and a new ruler enslaves the Israelites? God's solution is to raise a prophet who will be a spokesperson, a spokesperson on behalf of God to remind the ruler of God's appointed role and hold them accountable for how they rule. And in the case of Egypt, God brings about who? Moses, to approach Pharaoh about how he is ruling. And so how does that go? Was Moses excited and pumped about it? (laughs) In Exodus chapter 4, after God asks Moses to go and free his people, Moses responds, Oh Lord, I I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. In other words, there's no way I'm your guy. And Moses' reason was because he was not eloquent in speech. Meanwhile, we hear scriptures like Isaiah 117, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and plead for the widow. But we hear that in the Philippines, there are 1,000 tips a month of children who are being exploited live over the internet. And so when organizations like IJM ask you to sign a petition or make a phone call or meet with your policymaker, it's almost kind of humorous to think that we actually could do anything at all here to help what's going on in the Philippines. You know, that's exactly how I felt 10 years ago. I had just started volunteering for IJM when I received this invitation 
to come all the way, to go all the way to Washington, D.C., where they were inviting their most active volunteers to represent IJM and IJM's clients to our representatives. We were going to storm Capitol Hill together. They wanted Congress to pass a piece of legislation called the Child Protection Compact Act, which would provide resources and accountability for organizations like IJM. And to be honest, the timing of all of this was horrible. I had just had a newborn child who had acid reflux and colic, and I was battling a major case of postpartum depression. On top of that, we were financially strained. So that's easy. Nope, not going to do it. Thanks for the invite. Not your girl. And then I encountered the psalmist. Psalm 94 says, Who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? So you know what I did? I just flipped over to Proverbs. Skip that. Proverbs 31 says what? Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the needy and the poor. Now, if that wasn't challenging enough, my husband Peter says to me, we'll go. We'll all go. You have to go. IJM just invited you to go. We're going to go. We're going to go. That was so annoying. (laughs) And you know what we did? We went. And all of my sleep deprivation, depression, and not to mention the three-hour time difference, and all of my weakness, we went to Washington, D.C. to try to become a prophetic voice to our representative. I was half awake, attending the trains during the day, and then when it was time to storm the hill, I had wrinkled black pants, I had my son spit up all over my black jacket, and I had my nursing pump. It was glamorous. (laughs) I imagined I would feel powerful, but then I just felt so weak and discouraged. And guess what? The bill? It didn't pass. In advocacy terms, the bill is dead. Didn't work. Meanwhile, Pastor Danny mentioned Micah chapter 6, 8. What does the Lord require of you? Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly before God. But sometimes when we address the rulers, the rulers don't listen. And then what? Moses leads the Israelites out of enslavement, but do you recall what happened? They all ended up fighting with each other so much so that he assigns about 1,000 magistrates to help them figure out their disputes. And he just reminds them, do not deny justice to your poor people in their lawsuits. When rulers are unmoved by the prophets, the prophets persist, but they also multiply. Prophets recruit more prophets until the voice of God is so clear that the rulers cannot ignore them. At IJM, we experienced setbacks all the time. We knew the Philippines needed a police unit, one police unit, to address the cybersex trafficking of children. And what was at stake? Thousands upon thousands of children would continue to be exploited over the internet. And when the Child Protection Compact Act died, IJM, we had to regroup. 
And so for two years, we regrouped and we we recruited what? More freedom, excuse me, more prayer partners because we believe that the road to justice must be laid forth by the road of prayer. And we also collected more signatures and recruited more prophets to meet with the representatives on behalf of the children in the Philippines. And two years later, the bill finally passed. Yes! (laughs) But what does that have to do with the transformation of justice systems? I was in the Philippines with a group of volunteers from the Bay Area visiting our office and getting a closer look at IJM's work. And the whole idea of this trip was so that our volunteers would feel just a direct connection of their efforts here in the Bay to what was actually going on in the Philippines. We visited the Philippine National Police Station, and there we were greeted by a banner. And then you know what else happened? We were each offered a medallion by one of the lead officers of the Women and Children Protection Unit. It was so cool. Well, literally, it wasn't cool because the air conditioning wasn't working, but we won't talk about that. (laughs) Within the Women and Child Protection Unit, therein lies the Cybersex Crimes Unit. And they have quadrupled in size. And though they work in an office that's smaller than my son's bedroom, they work day after day after day, and are responsible for rescuing dozens upon dozens upon dozens of children who are rescued from online sexual exploitation, including this past weekend. Cassie also was rescued by this unit, and she was first trafficked when she was 12. But because of the efforts and our law enforcement partners, Cassie is now free, and she is thriving She loves to sing, she loves to dance, and she also loves to share her story so that other children can be protected from what she experienced. In fact, she is even supporting other survivors, sharing their stories for the very first time. During a survivor leader retreat, Cassie was in my small group, and she told me, before, I hated God. But because of how IJM has helped me, I have a relationship with God now. And... I even recently got baptized. Amen? One of IJM's investigators who serves on the cybercrimes unit is responsible for identifying the location of the children. And then he takes this intelligence and hands it over to another unit of the police, and they are the ones responsible to actually go to that location to extract our clients or soon-to-be clients from that situation. And he said this to me, these children will never know who is responsible for their rescue, but I count it a blessing to be a shadow soldier. As prophets, we act as shadow soldiers in places of darkness where God's people courageously enter in in order to bring God's tangible love and redemption to those who are hurting. Do you count it a blessing to be a shadow soldier? Will you respond to the call to be a prophet and approach rulers to fulfill their God-appointed purpose? And by the way, did you know in the Bible about half of these prophets happen to be women? Miriam and Deborah and Esther 
to name a few. Last year, it was estimated that IJM and our partners were able to protect 40 million men, women, and children from violent oppression. And this is all because of the efforts of prophets to call rulers to account and therefore began to transform their broken justice system. In the Philippines, after a decade of addressing sex trafficking, in three of our project areas, we have found an 80% reduction of minors caught in the sex trafficking industry. You see, justice system transformation, it actually is possible. We have found the vaccine to end slavery in our lifetime. The only thing that is needed is resources, people, and the fuel to distribute this vaccine through the far ends of the world. And what it requires is the endurance and the resilience of prophets who will go to the rulers and remind them of their appointed purpose. When Moses told God he wasn't the right guy for the job, what did God say? He sent him first a helper and his brother Aaron, and Jesus says, I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. In other words, God calls us, he is with us, but he also transforms us to be like him. The only thing he won't do is the part he's asked us to do. Whether it's making phone calls, writing letters, signing petitions, meeting with policymakers, or maybe it means reaching out to your networks and asking them to pray about the issue or perhaps even be generous to help the mission move forward. When our newest president took office and a new administration was in place, IGM recruited hundreds of prophets to approach the representatives on behalf of the 40 million slaves in our world. And you know what? Last month, President Trump signed four anti-trafficking legislation bills to show and demonstrate the bipartisan efforts to end slavery. And even more recently, IJM's founder, Gary Haugen, was the keynote speaker for the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. He had the opportunity to be a prophetic voice to hundreds of rulers in our nation. He says, the tricky part for me is this. While I'm eager to leverage this holy God for my consuming crusade of the day, I may not be listening as carefully to his voice about the good I am rushing past or the good I am trampling upon in my dash to the barricades. In the all-too-human story of the messy march of which God uses fallen men and women to extend his kingdom of righteousness and justice in the world, in alternating moments, allowing us to be his heroes and heartaches. I believe it's the holy faithfulness of God that should keep us from growing weary of doing good. If we all do our part, all of us, to raise our voices and to raise the resources, millions of God's children can experience the freedom for which they were made. Do not give up in doing what is good, for in the right time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Twenty years ago, Gary's heart was broken over the vast brokenness and oppression 
of the poor throughout the world. And he felt God gave him this vision to create something called International Justice Mission. So he first recruited 100 prayer partners, because remember, the road of justice must be paved first by the road of prayer. And then he gathered together a handful of prophets, and there they decided that they were going to try to protect men, women, and children from violent oppression. And 20 years later, IJM has rescued 49,000 men, women, and children from violent oppression in the world. Traffickers use all of their creativity, their network, their best ideas, their best efforts to exploit and abuse children, as well as men, women, and whole families. Imagine if God's people did the opposite, where they used their best ideas, their best efforts, their resources, their networks to fight the end of slavery, what would happen? If you want to join the community of prophets and shadow soldiers of IJM, then today you can join us by becoming a freedom partner. Freedom partners are the lifeblood of IJM. Right now, there are people trapped in slavery. People who have been taken, beaten, raped, and robbed of their dreams. Rupa and her child live in constant fear of abuse. Arul is crushed by the labor he's been forced to do every day. Lydia is hidden away, her body used over and over. At International Justice Mission, we have decided that this is not the world we want. So we unite, one body, many parts, working together to bring rescue. The heart in this body is the freedom partner, strong and dependable. You. Freedom partners courageously give $24 or more a month, funding rescue, month by month, rescue by rescue, beat by beat. Without freedom partners, hands would not grasp, feet would not move, eyes would not see. Freedom Partners send rescue to restore Rupa's family. Give freedom to Arul and make sure Lydia is found. It will take a strong heart to end slavery. It will take you. By joining as a freedom partner, you will bring rescue to slaves all around the world. Telling those still in slavery, help is coming. Month by month, 
rescue by rescue, beat by beat. For those of you who already are Freedom Partners, then I want to say thank you. Thank you for having strong hearts and being there for us day after day and being part of the transformation I talked about this morning. Freedom Partners are committed to praying for our work, advocating for our clients, and investing at least $24 a month so that IJM can show up 24 hours a day. You know, IJM has rescued three whole generations of families who were enslaved because they took out a loan for just $24? Can you imagine what your monthly gift can do? So this morning, if you want to be a freedom partner or join us to be a shadow soldier, then please come to the IJM table after the service, and we'll sign you up. And we're also doing something really special this morning. So for everyone who has prayed faithfully for a work, or if you are a freedom partner, or if you become a freedom partner, you'll see these Legos at a table right next door to ours. And we just want to ask that you write your initial or your name on it. And in just a couple of weeks, we have a team going to the Philippines where we will hand deliver these Legos to some of our newly rescued children. And we're going to take them out. We're going to show them your name and your initials. And we're going to say, you know what? There's some freedom partners. There's some shadow soldiers at Marin Covenant Church who made your rescue possible. When you sign up to become a freedom partner, you are committed to never give up and to never go away until all are free. Let's pray. Jesus, you are a God that both hardens heart, but also takes stone, hearts of stone and creates them into flesh. And we ask, God, that you would transform our hearts so that they would bleed for the things that make your heart bleed. But also, God, give us courage and wisdom and discernment to see what our role is as that prophetic voice to our rulers or if it is to become a freedom partner or a shadow soldier, making rescue possible day after day. And Father, as we follow you into these places, give us resilience. Help us to sense that you are with us. Help us to remain encouraged. And help us to not grow weary in doing good. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>